Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a bird, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. They never will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone from nasty rainy Westchester It is going to be a really hot show today Because we have award-winning author of one of my favorite series, the Jessica Fletcher series, Murder, She Wrote. John Land is here with Murder in Season, and you won't believe what Jessica found in her backyard. Oh, my God. He'll tell you. This was so amazing with the reconstruction of whatever she found, bones, and not just bones of just anybody, two sets of bones on her property. And you're not going to believe just how old some are and how someone new. So good morning, John. How you doing? This is going to be fun. <laughs> you you have beautifully you have beautifully summed up murder and season. And the only thing you left out is yes. I think the company did an exceptional job with the package. I mean, it looks so yeah. festive with that green. It's like you could tie a bow around this book and give it as a stocking stuffer because it's so appropriate uh, for the season. Um, doing a Christmas book like this, and I got to give them credit because green and red, and you know the uh, yeah, no, I know, just got it. Isn't it beautiful? It, I just got it the other day, and I was like, oh my god, what a nice present for me! I'm not yes, getting my go. books. It's about time. I called, the, I called the post office and yelled at them, and I said, where are my books? I'm supposed to be getting a whole lot, and. I didn't get them. I got a few presents last week. I got um, Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child's new one. I just finished it. And they're doing an interview with me February. Haha, not bad. And That's I not got, bad at all. I, yeah, and Iris Johansson's doing one also, and she doesn't do them, but she loves me. But basically, I haven't been getting anything, and it's so sad. And what I do get is even sadder. So you took this series on, and you brought it to the 21st century. And she Jessica evolved in this particular series, but this particular plot, oh, my God, you really got them on this one, let me tell you. Um, just, 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 the, just the setting and, the, and, the, and what it implies about the um, founding fathers. So why did you decide to take this on, and how do we know that Jessica is so much better than she was before in the original series, because I'm saying so. When I can well, do I, I I, I, let me answer the, the second question first, and yeah. I think that's a great question. And I think not, a, not enough, and you and I have talked about this before, but the problem with the way Jessica was portrayed in, in, in the past books before I got involved mm-hmm. was very disconnected from the Jessica from television. And let me tell you what I mean. The mm-hmm. Jessica Fletcher who premiered in 1984 on Murder, She Wrote, ran for 12 seasons, premiered in an entirely different era of America. The Reagan era was a kind of throwback to the 50s and 60s, going backwards in time to go forward. 
But here you had Jessica, and this is the point I want to make, and this is what I think has been lost sight of um, until I was fortunate enough to take over the series. Jessica represents so much of America today. She is a Mm -hmm. widow. She is a single woman, totally reliant on herself and not needing anyone else, not Mm -hmm. needing the cushion of a family, nothing wrong that that if you do – but she never remarried. She has built a life for herself. As you know, she built a career for herself, a remarkably successful career, starting out later in life. So much about Jessica is 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 the very definition of the independent woman of today, the Me Too movement. Jessica mm-hmm. should be a primary spokesman of. She is. Look, I'm not saying she's a feminist. I'm not saying she's enlightened. Mm-hmm. Jessica's not political. She doesn't think that way. What she is is someone who in 1984 was way ahead of her time mm. um, for all those reasons. She was, takes the initiative. Who's, who's basically, until Murder, She Wrote, Miss Marple, was, who was created by Agatha Christie and was the basis of Jessica mm-hmm. Fletcher, the great Miss Marple character, all mysteries had been top-lined by men. Jessica Fletcher came to the air in an era that saw Barnaby Jones, Matt Locke, yep. Rockford Files, Columbo. Um, there were, people take it for granted now. But Jessica Fletcher opened the door for Sue Grafton, you know, for, v, you know, for the, you know, the Anna Pigeon novels, for mm-hmm. Janet Ivanovich. So much of what Jessica Fletcher did as in opening the door to women in mystery, that women could be the driving force as detectives, not just, you know, not just arm candy for the detective as in Marlowe, um, you know, Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett, you know, the classic femme fatale. Mm-hmm. So here you have a groundbreaking woman. But the, uh, the books in the series froze her in time. And made her elderly, and made her a spinster, and made her, you know, made her obsessed with bake sales and library meetings, um, and incapable of driving a plot or a story of a book because she wasn't strong enough the way she was being portrayed. What my take was was to take the Jessica Fletcher from 1984, who was so far ahead of her time, and Mm -hmm. make believe that the series had been invented in 2000, when I took over 2017, now 2020. Is there a problem with Jessica having a cell phone, with Jessica using Uber, with Jessica uh, doing the things that modern um, independent women do today? So that was the second part of your the second the answer to your second part of your question. Yeah. I will say that in the first part, the way this book was born, and there's a, I'm I'm always juggling a, a lot of balls when I'm when I'm, I've got a lot of stuff in the air in a book like this. But the book was mm-hmm. born two ways. One, um, I, when I conceived an, a notion with Berkeley, especially for the last few books I did, mm-hmm. it was always with when I deliver when I came up with a concept for a book. It was also the concept for a marketing plan. So they could, you know, in other words, book number 50 in the series was the, marked the first time 
we had ever met Jessica in a flashback thread, for the, still in her point of view. The first time we ever met Jessica as a younger woman, when Frank, her husband, was still alive and they were raising Grady. After 50 books, I did something that Ned never did not done before. Then for book 51, I decided to do a Murder, She Wrote version of the greatest mystery ever told. And then there were none by Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. And that became The Murder of Twelve, which, by the way, which, by the way, has gotten the best response of any book on Amazon in the his- and Goodreads in the history of the series. And also became the first book ever in the series to win an award. It won the American Fiction Award mm-hmm. for 2020 for Best Cozy. Now, when this happened, when I sat down with the folks at Berkeley to discuss murder in season, I said, um, we ha- it doesn't seem like there's been a Christmas-themed murder she wrote for a while. Because what a great way to deliver a saleable book for Christmas, like we were talking off the mm-hmm. air, you know, or, you know. Actually, we weren't. We were on the air. This is like a Christmas book. It's all red and green. You know, you wrap it up in yeah. a bow. So it was a group effort. It was a team effort. But the notion I had was this: everybody always makes fun of the fact that this little town in Maine, Cabot Cove, is the murder capital of the world. The highest mm-hmm. per capita murder rate of any place in the world is capital. Yep. Is 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 uh, is this little town, Cabot Cove. So um, people poke fun about that. There was even um, Mort Metzger, uh, the sheriff who takes over for Tom Bosley's, um, you know, his, his predecessor played by Tom Bos- Bosley, Amos Tupper. At one point in the first season where he takes over, he goes, you know, I've been here a year, and there have already been five murders. What, what, what's going on in this town? What's in the water? Something like that. Uh-huh. So I actually sent – I had this notion that, you know, I, that I you know, discussed with the editors at Berkeley um, about a, tablo, a, TV, a tabloid TV reporter coming to Cabot Cove to investigate uh-huh. the fact that there are so many murders going on in this bucolic – small main waterfront town um and i had so much fun with that notion that was the jumping off point the fact that you know jessica moves back into her her great you know her beloved home at 698 um you know uh candlewood lane and um there have and then uh the people digging out her for digging a hole for a new septic system find two bodies buried in her backyard. And that's, that's literally bringing murder home for Jessica Fletcher. So I was starting to juggle. I was starting to juggle the different parts of the story that had appeared in my head. Even as I knew everything was going to come back to a Christmas theme, that this mm-hmm. book was going to count down to Christmas, that Jessica would be visited by some relatives we remember from the TV show, who I don't believe ever appeared in the books prior to my taking over. So there were a lot of things I wanted to do with with this book, Um, an awful lot of things. But I have to tell you, you mentioned, and we're coming full circle, long answer to a short question. Um, Mm -hmm. But you mentioned the truth of how Cabot Cove was founded. Oh, that was so cool. And I had so much fun with that. But to me, that is the living embodiment of what I brought to the series, which is Mm -hmm. the ability to maintain 
the feeling of a cozy while adding a sense of story, a sense of plot, a sense of episode, a sense of narrative, which were all sorely lacking in the series when I took over. I agree with you. And you know what else is going to be lacking? You can tell me. You know what I'm going to say. Go ahead. Um, the the fact that <laughs> you decided to, to deal with the founding fathers and the history of what they did and what they didn't do and what they're going to bring to the present um, is going to get caught by anybody else that doesn't include that. Well, Seriously. you know what? Uh, when, when I oh. took over the book series, when I took over the book so series, fantastic. I I gave I made a conscious decision to ignore all the books that had mm-hmm. come before. I ignored mm-hmm. them. And the reason I did that was I wanted to write something that was true to a to a monumentally popular TV show, one of the most successful shows of all yeah. time. I ignored what the previous author had done. He done it and for, out of respect to Don Bain, he did 46 books. That's an awful yeah, lot know, of books, and them. he should be saluted. Two a year for 23 years, something to that effect. He should be saluted to that fa- for that fact. But that doesn't mean, in the end, it was his wife writing them, and, and it showed. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't be stale. So I think what's going to happen, Fran, is now that I've been fired, now that I've been replaced writing these books, the new mm-hmm. author's going to come in, and she probably hasn't even read what I've done. Any more than I read much of what Don Bain did. And she's going to ignore what I did. And she's going to go back to the fact, whatever she does, um, Mm -hmm. she will do. But, you know, she will take the series almost surely back to the roots that I inherited, which were, 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 which in my opinion were rotting, Um, which in my feeling, uh, they had lost the spirit of the TV show entirely and lost the comparison with the author to whom Jessica Fletcher and the show was always compared to the most, and that's Agatha Christie. So, well, you know, the best, thing, you the best thing I can say I about this, you know, Agatha Christie I, died before the show came on the air. Uh, not by many years. It was, but I believe that Agatha Christie would have loved that show. She would have loved mm-hmm. episodes like The Murder of Sherlock Holmes. She would have loved Murder Takes the Bus. She would have loved this show. It would have been her favorite. And it was always, you know, the interesting thing here is a little-known fact. The book was modeled, the story, the murder she wrote, as I mentioned before, was the, the, the inspiration for it was Miss Marple. Well, Angela mm-hmm. Lansbury had played Miss Marple once. So she was very familiar with Jane Marple and knew of the strength, and, you know, and the, you know, the, the strength of the mm-hmm. narratives um, I forgot. I think it was Dame Edith Evans who made the role famous. Uh, either Dame Edith Evans or Margaret Rutherford um, made the role famous in a series of black and white movies. And by the way, many different, I think different actresses played Miss Marple over the years, similar to Charlie Chan, in which Sidney, Sidney Toller and Roland Winters both played Charlie Chan. Um, you know, and I think I, I forgot which came first, but I think he died, and that's why the replacement was made. Um, so mm-hmm. this is not terribly unusual for changes to be made. But I, I think in going forward with the book series, people who used to love the books and maybe didn't enjoy my approach, who weren't familiar with the TV series, they're going to be fine with going back to the old formula. But people who came to this, my way of doing things 
people mm-hmm. who gravitated toward the six books that I did, and I and 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 and, the, and bringing back the sense of the TV show. Most of my most ardent fans um, are devotees of the TV show. Um, not as much the book series, but some overlap. And I have never enjoyed anything more than taking over this series, taking ownership of this series, and making it my own. And although I will never forgive this publisher for how they treated me in the end, I will salute them for giving me the freedom to make this series, as I said, to make it my own. They gave me that freedom. They gave me the stool to stand on before they yanked it out from under me. Well, all I'm going to say is this. If they ask me to review her book, you know me, um, I don't write negative reviews. <laughs> this could be a first. Um, I'll be honest. I, if I feel that the book is not up to my standards, I won't review it. And I will tell them why. Because, you know what? This, these, I have a whole bunch of people that want to read this, by the way. And when I got the copy last week, I go like, you're not getting this one. This one's mine. Forget it. It's gorgeous. And I had printed it out because this way I got to read it way, way in advance. So anybody that wants to read all of the six books, you have to be crazy not to. This is so much better than you have no idea. So this novel, she finds two sets. This is so cool because this has happened in real life. Two sets of bones from the past and one a year old. And how does the reconstruction come into play? And this reporter that comes, hmm, poor thing. Well, I think that you know. <laughs> and and here, here's the thing about my books, and you, you've had me, I've been, uh, people have heard me on your show a lot talking about mm-hmm. Caitlin Strong and talking about other, you yeah, know, uh, my other series, my other projects. And, mm-hmm. and what they know, what you know about me is I'm going to throw an awful lot at you. But in the end, it's all going to be connected. Ultimately, what holds this book together, the, the, the organizing principle, what Hitchcock would have called the MacGuffin, is the fact that the founding fathers um, were not the nicest people in the world, but they, but they were businessmen, and they were businessmen mm-hmm. in a different era. And we need to judge them within the lens of their own era. It's very difficult to judge people in in 1790 based on the standards, mores, and norms of 2020. It's not fair. So the basic MacGuffin of this book is one of the five founders of Cabot Code was a con man. He was a swindler. And Mm -hmm. he got away with a fortune in diamonds. Mm -hmm. And no one knows what happened to the lost treasure of Cabot Cove. What happened to what in today's world would be 50, 60 million dollars worth of diamonds? They disappeared. Where are they? And the TV reporter is actually connected to the diamonds. Both Mm -hmm. bodies that are found on Jessica's property are connected to the diamonds. Everything goes back to those diamonds, including, and this is the fun I had in the book, was creating these ancestors, uh, the creating the offspring and the relatives mm-hmm. of the founders who are all still living in Cabot Cove. Because you begin to suspect as they're being killed one at a time that, that, one, cool. of them is e- that one of them might be the murderer. 
or is it going to be the victim? I think in that respect, of the six books I did in the series, this is most like the TV series. It would be a little longer than an hour. It would probably be a two-parter, maybe, you know, or maybe a 90-minute episode Mm -hmm. like the pilot. The Murder of Sherlock Holmes was actually a 90-minute episode. But you could do it. Um, You know, I got to tell you, I had the greatest little experience after The Murder of Twelve came out. The real Angela Lansbury uh, liked the post on Facebook about the murder oh, of nice. twelve, and I oh I dedicated the murder of twelve to Angela Lansbury, and 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 here's what I would say about my take on the series: when you read these books, you may not like them, you may not approve of my approach, but you will hear the voice of Angela Lansbury. Mm-hmm. You will hear the Jessica Fletcher that she created, the show that was all hers that became all her. And I don't believe in the books that I read that it came before me. I did read a few and tried to read a few more. Um, There is no sense that this is the same voice, the same sensibility, the same outlook as the Jessica Fletcher from the TV series. I, I, I had a blast writing her. Well, all I know is that I read some of his books. Because you know me. I read yep. everything. And and then I read your books. And I almost feel like in the old books she was programmed to say what they wanted her to say. It wasn't like she had a mind of her own that she could speak out like I do while someone else does. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> it's, it's just my opinion, which is probably right. So, well, it's interesting because something I've been criticized the most for online is the the, the sniping Jessica does with Seth and, and more, which is basically I banter, love that. Which is light. And, and, well, that's the way it was in the TV series yeah. um, to a great extent. I've, I've sharpened the conflict a little bit here. But I think mm-hmm. what people are responding to, I'm going to go back to my original point. I don't think people like Jessica being a strong, independent, strong-willed yeah. woman who in her, in her early 60s is totally independent and is a it's, – it's kind of like – the people who want this country. I'm not mm-hmm. accusing the, the same people of, of this, but maybe this is the case. The people who would rather see this country be what it was in the 1950s and 60s than what it is today. Yep. I don't relate to them very well. We know who they voted for. Um, I, I, I really don't understand their outlook on, on a lot of things. Um, I chose, again, if, if people respond poorly to my take on Jessica... It's mm-hmm. because of what I did with Jessica as a woman and as, a, mm-hmm. as an independent woman. Um, and I don't think that's spoken about enough of how groundbreaking her character was in 1984. And to some extent, it's not groundbreaking anymore, fortunately, in 2020. But she does serve as an example of how all women in their 60s who are alone, who don't have who don't have a, you know, whose husband has passed away. She Mm -hmm. is a shining prototype for all of them. Um, And I don't think genuinely and frankly that a lot of the people did not embrace my approach to the series Mm -hmm. agree with that. I think they would prefer 
putting an apron on Jessica and having her bake apple pies and meatloaf every, you know, for, in every book rather than drive a plot forward, drive a story forward. I agree with you. And sometimes, you know, I, I get on the phone with people and I never tell them my real age because it's none of their business. And then they'll say, what's your date of birth? I said, you know, I forgot that a long time ago. Age-related, they treat people when you're over 25 or whatever as if you don't know anything. So I got the feeling that Jessica became, I have a, I've gotten quite a number of books where the female is a detective, but not as great as this one, not even close to this. And I'm saying that there's no way that this lawyer could be a detective and the police told her that she could do whatever she wanted. I mean, seriously, this is so far superior. And the fact that they took it away from you, they must have had a screw loose in their brain. Seriously. I'm, I'm serious. I'm not just saying it. I'm just, I, I really mean it because there are an awful lot of people that I've told about this series that want to read it. So we have the, the truth behind the slave trade. So tell us about Angie and Selena. And they went to see him. And they, they, we have the um, reporter, right? And we have his. Um, how did you how did you create Tad's reports? And what was on the footage that that he that he saw that might well, help to solve the case? What, or maybe not. What's basically basically in this footage that that Mort Metzger, Sheriff Mort Metzger, and 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 Jessica watch. He yeah. was filming. He was clearly teasing that he had he was onto something. He had come to Cabot Cove purportedly to do a story on the high murder rate. But it was clear from the footage he was shooting that's not the story he was telling. He was shooting footage outside the homes of all the descendants Mm -hmm. of the founding Mm -hmm. fathers of Cabot Cove. He was hinting at a murder that happened all those years ago in 1790. He was hinting that of secrets that that were buried um, and that this this town has a sordid history. By the way, you're, you're not going to find many successful New England towns that, that didn't involve something a little bit dark and criminal that by our standards today. Um, you know, new, people don't want to admit that much of the success of New England, as well as the South, was built on the back of the slave trade. The fact is that, that, that New England abandoned the slave trade much obviously, um, in the you know in the 1780s, 1790s, it was pretty much banned. But if you're if you're banning something, that means you, at one point it what you didn't need, it was out there go it was out there flourishing. So um, the reporter has uncovered something, or thinks he has. He's after something, and it's and and that is the reason why he's murdered. Um, mm-hmm. that's why he has to be killed because he's getting too close to a truth that someone in town needs to keep secret. It's the classic murder. She wrote TV mystery. Um, as I said, the most like the TV show of any book I did. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. I've never told you this before. It's public knowledge mm-hmm. because it, you, you know, the quotes, have, the quote has been used, but, mm-hmm. um, Murder, She Wrote was created by four men, uh, Richard Levinson, William Link, um, uh, God, Tom Sawyer was the fourth, Peter Fisher mm-hmm. was the showrunner, um, and Tom Sawyer replaced him um, a, a couple mm-hmm. years, three years into the show. 
Tom Sawyer, the, 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 you know, the, the, one of the lead showrunners, one of the creators of Murder, She Wrote, loved what I was doing with the series. I don't think you need any more affirmation than one of the no. four men who created Murder, She Wrote saying, this is the way these books, if, you, if the TV show was still on, it would be doing stories like this. So that's what I set out to do, especially with Murder in Season. I wanted a Christmas-themed story that had a lot of family, mm-hmm. that had a lot of heart, that, that, that got into a level of Jessica's character. My, my favorite image in, in, in Murder in Season is the train set that she buys for her, ne- her grandnephew, who's named after her late husband, Frank. And how that train set actually ties into the solution of the crime, well, you know, that's another a little bit of a spoiler mm-hmm. alert there. Uh, mm-hmm. But the beautiful thing about Murder in Season that distinguishes it from the other five that I did is the sense of family. When Grady, the nephew that she raised after, that she and Frank raised after his parents were killed in an accident, that Grady comes back for the holidays with yeah. his wife. And of course, because he's Grady, he doesn't just bring presents to Christmas. He brings a problem for Jessica to solve. And, of course, she does. So I think the fun of Murder in Season, the thing that makes it very special, is this sense of family. Um, mm-hmm. That the others that the, the others had a great sense of kinship and friendship and camaraderie between Jessica and Harry McGraw and Seth Hazlitt and Mort Metzger, and a little bit with Amos Tupper and some phone calls. I mm-hmm. love the phone call at the end of this book with, between her um, and Amos. Um, and, I, yeah. I, you know, what I, and, and the reason why I'm uh, – the reason why there's this, this, this nagging in my gut over being fired is – Yeah, me too. I, you know, what it is is – I, I'm, I'm talking about scenes and I'm talking about moments. I'm not talking about the plot and the murders. I'm talking about moments because in order to take ownership of something, you have to embrace it and make it a part of you. And I made these characters, even the ones who weren't, didn't have big roles in my books, although I do, I do feature Amos Tupper in the flashback sequence. Um, set 25 years in the past in a time for murder Mm -hmm. where we meet Jessica for the first time um, as a young woman, um, a time for murder two books ago. Um, So I, I, I took ownership of something I adored. I fell in love with the characters and I made them my own. And it was all about in my mind doing justice to the show that was iconic on the air for 12 years, it had one bad season when they, CBS moved it to Thursday nights and it went up against Friends. And when they, mm-hmm. as soon as they moved it back to Sunday nights, and in the end, its final episodes ran on Sundays and it was a big hit again to the point where they did TV movies um, after the fact. They did a couple TV movies to keep the series going after it went off the air. Well, this is what I wanted to capture. This is what I wanted to pay homage to. This show that still, after all these years, is still popular in reruns, is was a huge seller on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. when, when when it first became available. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't think I think they they took it down. 
Um, you know, there's a reason for that. And it, it starts with Jessica Fletcher, Angela Lansbury, and it pretty much ends there. And that's what you have in my books. I miss her on television. So we have, they found uh, letters and importance of the letter pouch, and you did research on this one. So who, how did you decide who to give them to in order to find out what, what, what was on those letters and pouch? Well, one of the great things about the TV show was the 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 characters who who didn't who maybe had three or four appearances a year, a fisherman, a librarian, um, yeah. a historian, and and they would bring in different parts of either Cabot Cove or they would present a foil character for Jessica. In this case, she takes these the, the founding documents of Cabot Cove which were buried in the same hole as those two sets of bones, she takes a, a bunch of them to the local historian who knows more about the history of Cabot Cove than anyone else and who's, who becomes her guide to the past. Fred Hardesty is his name. He runs appropriately enough the local antique store. So um, Hardesty under, has, knows about these legends. He knows... He's, there have been rumors about this treasure. Um, mm. And I had never done something monetary in one of these Murder, She Wrote books before. So having the MacGuffin in Murder in Season be a treasure, a lost treasure of millions of dollars mm-hmm. that everyone is after, um, I, that was also refreshing. Because, you know, if you the, the challenge of doing a series that's so iconic, and, the, no, no, and, and much less doing two books a year instead of one, is how do you keep it fresh? How do you keep mm-hmm. it from getting stale, getting routine? How do you make it so everyone says with every book, this was the best one you ever did? You know, this was so much better than the last one, or this was, I really, this was so much different. Um, it, and, that, that, and that was the challenge, and that's why I did the I went to both the history of Cabot Cove and I went to the treasure because although history and treasure were touched upon in the TV series, they were never elaborate, really elaborated on. So it was kind of I had this open area um, since I had detached myself from the other books in the series. All I had to do was review the episodes and talk to experts and people and say, what was this? What was that? And sometimes it changed, by the way. So um, I can't. I made up all the stuff about the founding fathers in this book for my purposes, but it. It. I think it's within the spirit of what the TV show originated. Well, you're right, and I. I I'm just looking at something for the next one, and well, well never mind. Um, so. We have the descendants of Cabot Cove, and Mort insists that Jessica Smiley goes on the interviews. So how is this investigation different? Because, you know, she used to say, oh, you know, you can come as this Fletcher, but not really. Now he actually wants her there and wants her insight. And why do we get the feeling that the ancestors have another agenda, some of them? You know, it's a, it's a good question, and I think the answer is, most mm-hmm. of the time, in both my books and the TV series, 
when Jessica is in more, are, are, are interrogating someone, it's because they're a suspect. Here, they're, inter- they're interviewing people who are potential victims as well as suspects. And that mm-hmm. casts a different light. And, you know, you, ju- you just made a great point, a really great point about, their, about Jessica's evolving relationship with mm-hmm. Mort. She's still yeah. Mrs. F. That's something I had gotten away from and I went back to. That was a mistake on my part because it, it went away from the heart of the series. Um, but she's still Mrs. F. But I think as things have developed in this series, especially in The Murder of Twelve, Mm-hmm. I think Mort respects her opinion more. Mm-hmm. I think Mort acknowledges that we're a, that the fact that they're a team, um, and that Jessica has skills that he doesn't have, and she's able to see things and with her powers of observation that he mm-hmm. can't see. But here's the important distinction. I've also strengthened the character of Mort. I made him a Vietnam yeah. veteran. I, you know, he was already 20 years on the, a veteran of the New York of New York City homicide. That was established in the TV show. I don't know what happened to it in the other books, where you know his role is often very small. Um, but the thing is, Mort is a pretty accomplished guy, mm-hmm. and in order, and I think this is a very important point, in order the opinion and understand the genius of Jessica Fletcher. He has to be comfortable in his own skin. And sure, they banter a lot and they go back and forth, but the bottom line is these two people respect each other. And there's a difference in this series. There's a marked difference between Amos Tupper and Mort Metzger. Amos Tupper was never really a lawman. He was never really, he never really drew his gun. He was the perfect foil for Jessica, and he was brilliant on the series. And in the two years he was on the series, I think he appeared in more episodes in total than, Mort, than, than Ron Masick in, in Mort Metzger for the, for the mm-hmm. next, I think he was on the series for four years. The next eight years, I don't think Mort Metzger had as many episodes because they went to New York for a couple of those years. Yeah. Uh, they, were, they set the series up there. But here's the point. Mort is comfortable enough in his own skin, the way I've drawn him, that he can respect not only another woman, but another person's opinion. Um, That he isn't so defensive and so insecure that he doesn't want the help of someone who is a, quote, amateur. She's a consultant. And I think his, the way he respects and values Mrs. F, Mrs. Fletcher, Jessica, is emblematic of the kind of person she has evolved into over the course of their years together and of these six mm-hmm. books. Because although it's 2021 that these book, 2020 that this book is set in, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that it's 35 years after the fact. That, that that they've known each other for that long. It's still suspended in time in the sense that we don't know how old Jessica is. We don't know how long Mort Mesker exactly has been sheriff of Cabot Cove. Mm-hmm. They clearly have a stronger relationship than they did in the, in the early seasons of the TV show. Um, but I've preserved enough of that. 
And that's the fun of this. When you can have a conversation about Mort Mesker and Jessica Fletcher like they're real people, yeah. then you've done something well and you've done something right. Okay, before I forget, on Monday, I'm doing this for a lot of people, not just me. Psychotherapist Dennis Palumbo and I are going to take on two topics that I feel need to be discussed, fear and isolation during the pandemic. Oh. Yeah, I'm going to break oh, that boy. one. Yeah, on the second, the author of The Venturi Effect. On the eighth, I wonder who I'm talking to is going to be on this panel. You? Gee. And, <laughs> yes, and Lee Matthew Goldberg and Derek McFadden and John Delano. We're going to talk about um, whatever comes to mind and prologues and how you create scenes and whatever I come up with. Who knows? Well, if, you got Lee Go- if you've got Lee Goldberg on the show, you've got yeah. nothing to worry about. Lee Goldberg is about the best interview and the, and he has got so many great anecdotes he's a great mystery writer by the way um i'm reviewing well, we have, his new book in my next column and it's terrific um, nice i i love his work lee goldberg um well you know th- we have the 10th we have the author of saving grace that should be interesting on the 14th someone else that we know and love tim o'mara the hook on the 16th, I have, don't ask me how I did this, six people on a panel to talk about. Oh, boy. Yeah, it should be interesting. But on the 21st, this really got me. I am totally honored. Nothing good happens after midnight. And guess who's coming on? Alan Jacobson, Jeffrey Diva, John Lesqua, and Heather Graham to talk about this. Wow. I have, a sto- I have a story in that I anthology, read it. too. I read it. Wasn't it great? Too. It was better than great, and I'm I'm going to try to put together one more after the holiday, maybe, with you and make if I can get Linwood Barkley and D.P. Lyle, because D.P. was on. He said he wanted to be on it also, but oh, my God. And on the 23rd, to finish off December, this is really shocking, uh, in memory of Clive Gussler that died February 24th, Boyd Morrison is coming on to talk about my oh, and how great. he the book. Oh, yeah. one, one great. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. In this really? business. He asked for the interview. Morrison. I was like, oh, my God, shock treatment. <laughs> so, yeah, and then no, on February he... 24th, Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child take the spotlight with Scorpion's Tale. And on the 4th of February, um, Irish Johansson with Blink of an Eye. And then on the 16th of March, Philip Margolin is coming on with The Matter of Death. And, and like, I'll be coming oh my on. God. Aren't I coming? I'm coming on somewhere in there for... My, my murder on the metro, um, my taking over the Capital February Crime 16th series. And the, and the book is next to me because I printed it out. I did. I there you go. You, I'm and coming on your show too. publication day. You're, you're, we, we always save the first interview for you. That's exactly right. So, why do some of the ancestors say that it condones saying that the path to create businesses and wealth for Cabot Cove? Why do some of the answers condone it by saying that it's okay, there's no slave trade and all the rest of it? And how did you create the journal? That was really cool. Well, they don't say it's okay, that slavery yeah. was okay. They, and, and, and basically they um, – it, it, it isn't – you know, it's basically they know they're doing something that's wrong because yeah, it's been outlawed. But, you know, they, they have a dream. They have a vision of, of a huge seaport to rival Boston. 
Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they were – this is the time of, of, of American – and, you know, the industrialism was expanding and the new frontier. And so much of Americans – this is seven, the 1790s when Cabot Cove was founded. So much – you know, it was the, – the revolution was in the past. I mean, it was we, – we were, we, we were figuring out who we were as a country. Um, and fisheries and canneries and industry – and textile mills began to sprout up all over the Northeast. Um, and the first, the seeds of the robber barons were born. The, this is where the Rockefeller and Carnegie, and even though it wasn't those men specifically, what became the robber barons was birthed right around the turn of the 18th century, as we became the 1800s. These were the idea that people could own could be like royalty could could control industries so so that was an important um theme what was the second part of the question that's a good question it was in it was india um i just turned the paper over oh oh the journal and and the journal journal. how did you create the journal you know the journal was so much fun um and it's the journal of john henry cabot one of the five founders and once the journal and when in reading the journal Jessica uncovers what happened all those years ago and the owner of those bo- one set of those bones that are in the ground and also providing a clue as to the second set. And I, I, as you know from my Caitlin Strong books, I like nothing better than to connect the past and the present. As yep. William Faulkner said, the past isn't dead. It's not even past. That we are all prisoners of, of, of where we were 100 years ago. Um, that we never, that if you, you know, if you, those who ignore history are, deter, you know, are, are, are going to be cursed to repeat it. You know, um, so I, the idea of linking, of, of having a historical journal. Now, here's the challenge. All of Murder, She Wrote books are written in first person. Now, yep. normally... When I w- if I would do a scene like this, I might go actually set the scene in the past and introduce you to these characters. But I can't do that because Murder, She Wrote is first person. So the journal came into existence because it offered a way to present another perspective, another point of view that Jessica would be drinking in, would be absorbing. But it has to be from Jessica's point of view that this new um, plot line is revealed. It can't be through another person's. So the, so the solution to that was the journal. And this is what brings you into the past and gets you into the mind of the five founders of Cabot Cove. Yeah, well, let me see. I have about 10 minutes, and I have a 1,000 more questions here. What can I tell you? So who is Wyatt? And what treasure got these people killed? And who is the second victim? Because, you know, you can't stop at one, people. Got to have more than one. So true. Um, there, Wyatt, yeah, really. the, the Wyatt, fan, Wyatt Rackley was the yeah. con man, the swindler, the guy like who, who, who had this criminal background. And, again, when I use history, and one of the fun parts of this book is it deals with the fact that there that. I'm saying there was this huge jewel during the French Revolution. This is true. The crown jewels were all robbed. Some of them were recovered. Others, including 
thousands of diamonds never were recovered. So I asked myself, what happened to that treasure? Mm-hmm. And, of course, what happened to that treasure was because of Wyatt Rackley's underworld, even criminal contacts, smugglers back then. And there were plenty of pirates, plenty of smugglers, plenty of criminals back in the 1790s. Don't kid yourself. Uh, and because of these contacts, he's able to connect with the, with basically to take possession of a lot of those stolen gems. And on the back of those stolen gems, mm-hmm. the town of Cabot Cove was built. But what happened to the, the missing diamonds? Again, that's where we started. Yeah. And the fun of this book is watching the evolution. There's a lot of fun stuff in this book, but the real fun stuff is watching how the past and the present tie together. And, and, right. and also the great – every one of my takes on Murder, She Wrote, all these books – have what I call a Columbo moment at the end where Jessica reveals how she figured out who the killer was. Every one of them, it's one moment. And then I realized this is what that piece of plastic was. That's how she nails the killer. And it, and the solution comes very late and it's, it's a coincidence. She sees something and goes, Oh my God, I know who the killer is. I know who's behind all this. And again, it's this moment. And by the way, it's all there. The fun of these books, I'm, I keep using that phrase, the fun of these books lies in, and I've said like 50 different things. But the reader, and, you, and, and let me, you know, you would be better to comment on this because you, you were the, one of the first people to read this book. But That's you right. have all the clues that Jessica has. You see That's everything right. that Jessica sees. You know everything, and this was especially true in the, in the last book, which just came out in paperback, The Murder of Twelve. Um, that was so good. Where one of the clues that to me makes it obvious yep. who the killer is, is the lock, there's a locked room murder. Well, the killer couldn't possibly have gotten out of the room, which means he or she is hiding. But where are they hiding? And Jessica in the end, realizes she made a mistake. There's something in the room she didn't check. And that's where the killer was hiding. Because she never would have expected it, nor do we. But the clues were there in murder in the murder of 12. And they're all there when they find, when Mort and Jessica find these shavings, these plastic or metal shavings at the crime scene. What are they? Um, and once they get the results back, they have no idea how it connects. But again, the Columbo moment when Jessica. Oh, I'm not going to tell you. I, I won't tell you if I figured it out. But I said, my God, that was so clever. Did and you figure it out? I figured it out. I, I won't tell you, but I did figure it Congratulations. out. Congratulations. There was one. There was one thing that you said, and one thing. I won't say what it was, that said, oh, wait a minute, wouldn't that be cool if that was there? And I go like, yeah, well, you know me. Um, I, one thing about, you know, gemstones, that's me. What can I say? Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, the next one is the one clue that ties it up and identifies the killer. This is a perfect way to blindside the reader. But there's one character that we have to, first of all, why did Harry come into it? You know my love, Harry McGraw. And when I watch, um, I watch L.A. Law, 
and and it bothers me that Lord well, ordered that he's not alive anymore because the show was so much better with him. With, with him. You know, it was the first. He was on the first years. Yeah, he's. He great, had four different so. partners for ten years. Yeah. So how how did how come Harry McGraw was there? And then before we end, you got to tell us about little Frank because he's so cute. Well, Harry McGraw has to be in all the books in my mind because yeah. he. I I don't right from the beginning when I when I wrote a date with murder. Harry McGraw and just I heard Jerry Orbach's voice. Yeah, I had uh-huh. Jerry Orbach in my head. He's an actor who did a lot of great work, not just Law and Order. Um, and I don't want the, the the worst thing you can do in a series is disappoint the audience by not having mm-hmm. a character in that the audience is looking forward to seeing. Everyone loves to see Harry, and Harry lends a a vital role to every book he's been in. He's the character who figures stuff out that Jessica can't. He's the one who helps Jessica put, assemble the pieces of the puzzle. And I think he's at his absolute best, as he was in all the books. But in this book, he's really at his best. And this is the, the other thing. Christmas is about family. It's about friends. And I think part of the reason why he just shows up in Cabot Cove unannounced is he doesn't mm-hmm. want to be alone. The same reason Grady brings his family, little Frank yep. and, and, and his wife, Donna, for the holidays. People don't want to be alone. You mentioned that before you're having the psychotherapist on, uh, yeah, Dennis Palumbo, to talk about <laughs> this. And, and you know, I, I have to say that I, having, I live in a bubble all the time. I've been social distancing all my life, so this is not this is not all that much different for me because I've learned to be very comfortable with my own company. Um, you know, so it was not as big a transition. But I think one of the things that comes out in this book and what makes it the impression is when you look at it, is that final scene when when Frank is playing with the the model train set, the yeah. antique model train set that. You know that uncle, that is Uncle Frank. He used to be a huge train set guy. Um, Adele never appeared. Mort's wife never appears yeah. even once in the TV show. I don't know if she appeared in the other books because the other author must have forgotten that she was. You know, he he, he divorces mm-hmm. Mort divorces Adele for no reason and marries Maureen for no reason. So you know, violating a rule of of. of you know, of television, don't, so this is the first time in my mind we've ever seen Adele. She comes yeah. to Thanksgiving, so she's there with Mort, and Seth Hazlitt is there, and um, there are some other people there that, that Jessica has met along the way, in the course of the book, and it's a wonderful scene, and you know, it's the last scene that I'm ever going to write in Murder, She Wrote, but it's such a perfect scene to end on, um, with everyone together at that dinner table, um, with 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 little Frank playing with his train set, you know, if I I, I didn't know it was going to be mm-hmm. the last scene I'd ever wrote for the series when I wrote it. That's so sad. But now this that is it so is, sad. I'm glad I'm glad that it was, because it's the perfect way to go out it, yep. in demonstrating that it is Jessica who has brought all these people together, that all these people are having Christmas dinner together instead of alone, because of Jessica. I uh, wish I could have been there, I, too, because I, I, this is going to I be the only more, one. In my mind, I was, she, I was always much more ambitious 
about her character. I didn't see her as a cliche. I did not see her as a, a relic from another era of television where I just had to plug her into the right lines and mm-hmm. everything else was interchangeable from book to book. I never saw her that way. I wanted you to get to know her as a person, as the kind of person that she is. And I will say this, that the writer who's taking over for me, <laughs> if, if Jessica Fletcher goes back to being nothing more than a baker and a local legend and a local celebrity – and we lose the the kind of person I that that I found her to be based on Angela Lansbury's portrayal of her, then that is a tremendous disservice to the readers and fans of this series. Because what you're basically doing is you're not being true to the character. You're 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 you're, you're being you're you're treating Jessica like she's like she's two dimensional. And I think in, in, in before I took over, she was two dimensional. I made her three dimensional. A lot of people didn't like that. They liked Jessica baking cookies and meatloaf, but I needed more. And I think Jessica needed more. And that's probably going to go away now. Um, And there'll be a lot of people who are happy because of it. And there'll be a lot of people who aren't. Well, I agree with you because you know something. Unfortunately, in this world, people are afraid of change, and they're afraid to see that something is different. And the one thing I liked about this series is because she wasn't the the, the cookie cutter, you know, driving my bicycle, I'm going to bake a cake kind of person. And since I don't cook, I don't identify with that ever. So to me, that would not be something that I would want to read. And I I just read the promo for you know the. Of the summary of the of the new one, and um, it's not you know what it's nothing special. And to me, if you don't start the book a new series in Cabot Cove, you're making a big mistake. And this is just you know somebody gets killed and they ask her to to you know to do it. So what is next besides the, um, Murder on the Metro? It's right in front of me. I printed it out. <laughs> I love Robert Baxton. He's great. So what's next after that? When am I getting Caitlin Strong again? Because you know I can't Caitlin, be without Caitlin. I've been working. I've been working on um, with uh, on a Caitlin Strong TV series. Um, oh, nice. And and, and it, it, there, there's nothing that's solidified yet, but there, there and there's nothing to really report yet. Maybe next time I'm on, there will be. Um, but I I think that I, I that Caitlin will be back, but she will not be back until. Um, we solidify something on television, um, so I'm, I'm ready to write. I'm ready to write the next book, but it's 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 time. You know, um, I need to do some other things, and um, that's nice. You know, this, the market has changed, the book business has yes. changed, and um, authors, you know, uh, we we need to change with it, and we need to accept that we don't make the rules. Um, the people, you know, I don't know any. I don't even know who makes the rules anymore. But the game has changed. So well, you have the truth of the matter it. is, is I agree with you. Also, um, for those of you that don't know, Fran only reads print, and I've been having a problem because as I yelled at the post office the other day, and I said, "Where are my books? Who's, who's been, you know, gobbling them up?" Um, at first, there were people in the when they had the books in the book room, uh, mail room, people were stealing them. So I had to do something about that. 
Um, they, I think what's happening is that the the printers are not sending them out, and the and the author, the publicists are having a fit because I get nasty emails like, "Why didn't you read the book? Like, why didn't you send it? What would you like me to do?" No, seriously. So it bothers me, and unfortunately, because there's no book signings and a whole lot of things, and I miss the Thriller Fest because that's so much fun. That this is this is really, you know, you're right. Publishing has changed. So where can we find out about all of you? And are you going to do a Blake McCracken one? Because yeah, I love him too. <laughs> no, no plans right now, but that could change tomorrow. That's true. So um, for those of you that don't know, what if my book got some really unusual reviews and some good ones? And if I'm brave and I ever have five minutes, because I have 20 books on my chair to review, because I have to do those first, I'm going to write what's next. Would you like to live in my world? I don't think so. So maybe people will start living in the world that we live in the right way. So where can we find out about you and more about your work and everything so that everybody starts checking it out? I think listen to your show because you're you're better at keeping up with anything than I am. Um, But uh, you can go to my website, johnlandbooks.com, J-O-N. But follow me on Twitter, at John D. Land. If there's anything important that you're going to find out, it'll be on Twitter. You know, and I don't do anything political. I'm I'm just talking about books and neither do I. And, 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 neither and do you I. know, so so follow me on Twitter at John D Land J O N D L A N D. Follow me on Facebook, um, and and you'll get announcements. I mean, uh, Caitlin Strong just won the American Book Fest, Book Fest Award for 2020 in the mystery suspense category. So I'll be tweeting that out and Facebooking it out in the next couple of days. And um, when there's news about Caitlin and and uh, uh, TV and all that kind of stuff, that'll be there too. Um, so just keep your fingers crossed, keep a good word, and you know we'll see what the next few months bring. Well, I have a very exciting announcement too. I promise my niece. On January 1st, 2021, I am very proud to say that my niece, Carly, her first new hit is coming out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and everything. It's called Eat your heart out. It's based on a relationship. Thank God that she got rid of. Thanks to her aunt <laughs> and a few other people. And I am excited because on January fifth, they don't know it. At the end of the panel show, I'm playing the song. It really is fantastic. I am so proud of her. I've been promoting her. I created sweatshirts and paid a ton of money to send them to her, but it's worth it. So I'm really very happy for her because she did a 360, and I'm the reason why she even does anything, which is really great. But this is fun. And I will see you back here on December 8th with you, Ali Matthew Goldberg, uh, Derek McFadden, and John DeLeon. This is going to be fun because I have no idea what we're going to talk about, whatever comes to mind. And, yeah, we're going to talk about publishing and how things have changed. So if you have any talking points, just send them. John, thank you so much. This has been fun. And for those of you that haven't read the six books in the series, Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa coming. This is great, <laughs> great stocking stuffer, seriously. And if you haven't read all of them, you're really missing out on a lot. And whatever comes next, you know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very honest about it. John, thank you so much. Everybody have a great day. And uh, Before I end, I have to do this. At the end of every show, I say just one small ask. Please wear a mask. I'll protect you if you protect me. Not bad. Not bad, right? (laughs) I agree. Everybody, have a great day and bye.